Two years before leaving home, my father said to my mother that I was very ugly. The sentence was uttered under his breath in the apartment that my parents, newly married, had bought at the top of Via San Giacomo de Capri in Rione Alto. Everything, the spaces of Naples, the blue light of a frigid February, those words remained fixed. But I slipped away, and am still slipping away, within these lines that are intended to give me a story, while in fact I am nothing, nothing of my own, nothing that has really begun or really been brought to completion, only a tangled knot, and nobody, not even the one who at this moment is writing, knows if it contains the right thread for a story or is merely a snarled confusion of suffering without redemption. Your shelf for mine Talking sophisticated topics all the time Your shelf for mine A kickback, relax, crack a book, unwind at your shelf for mine Your shelf And welcome to your shelf or mine. I'm Becky Standall, Youth Services Librarian at the Longview Public Library. And I'm Jennifer Jensen, Technology Librarian at the Longview Public Library. And Jennifer was so nice to agree to read Elena Ferrante with me because no one else wanted to. <laughs> and I've been really wanting to read her for a while. When we were picking authors to read for this year's lineup, I had been meaning to read Elena Ferrante for a while, and part of it is because I feel like I see my brilliant friend on the friends shelves all of the time, mm -hmm. and then she'd had this other book come out a couple of years ago called The Lying Life of Adults. Mm -hmm. Did you read that one? That's the one, yep. I have not read that one, but it looked really good, too, and it interested me. So I asked you, and you said, sure. Sure, why not? <laughs> And she was nowhere on my, my radar, so I had never read anything. I hadn't really heard much about her. And when you asked me and I was starting to look at books, I realized that I had watched a movie on Netflix that was based on one of her books. What movie was that? The Lost Daughter. Is that the Maggie Gyllenhaal one? Olivia Coleman. I think... That's oh, yes, it is. The Ma she yes. directed yes, it. Yes, 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 she did, yeah. It's yep. her directorial debut. Is it? I think so. Okay. And, I... <laughs> <laughs> and you had already watched it. Yeah, so I had watched it whenever it came onto Netflix a while ago. And so then I, I decided I would read the book. I actually listened to the audio on Libby. And then the other book I chose was The Lying Life of Adults, which also happens to be a Netflix series, mm -hmm. which I just finished last night. Nice. Yeah, Dave made a bunch of her, like adapted a bunch of her stuff. Like My Brilliant Friend is an HBO show as well, and I was able to watch just the first two episodes because it's like four seasons, and it's called My Brilliant Friend, but it's based off that whole series, and each mm -hmm. book is a episode in the miniseries. Anyways, let's go back and start with... That book that you listened to. The Lost Daughter. The Lost Daughter. What's yes. that about? It starts with a woman 
who is going on a vacation by herself to a beachside town in Italy. And she has two grown daughters. She's divorced. She's a professor, like a successful, I think in the book, she specializes in English lit mm-hmm. literature. So I start, you know, mixing the movie because yeah. the movie obviously is in, in English. And um, So in the movie, so Elena Ferrante is Italian. She writes in Italian and mm-hmm. then her books are translated. Yes. Maggie Gyllenhaal is American and Olivia Colman is English. Mm-hmm. Is it, is the character English in the movie? Is she American? She, she is Italian? She is English, but it's set in America. Mm. And I'm spacing on where they actually are. But, you know, she kind of explained, like, you know, her her accent, where she's from. But mm-hmm. she's but she's in one of the universities. So it is sort of translated. So instead of in the book, you have the, there, you know, there's the different regions of Italy. And so there's sort of like stereotypes of mm-hmm. people from different areas and different areas are coarser than, you know, other areas. So she is, you know, a more refined Italian and she's kind of sort of coming into contact with some that she kind of sees as kind of lower class, maybe. I find with her books, there's a lot of, it. it is very Italian and there are things about the culture that I don't necessarily I understand. I found that as well. And so there's kind of, and, you know, these people are, you know, like, it's a big family. They're boisterous. And and um, she has a little bit of a run-in because, at, you know, very early on, she's enjoying her book and her papers, you know, under an umbrella at the beach. And this big family, extended family, comes in and they want her to move down. And she says, no, I mm-hmm. just, I, I want to stay here. And so there's like a little bit of a, a riff in there. And one of the the key things that happens is she's sort of watching and she's, you know, observing and, and the book is her describing both what she's seeing and also kind of relating it to her own self as a young mother, you know, when her daughters were younger. And and um, so it's all very much tied up with the identity of being a mother and, and how we all kind of deal with that. So at one point, the daughter a young daughter of a young woman goes missing and she actually finds her. And so then that kind of creates a a relationship between her and the young mom and kind of a bonding thing because, you know, she's been through motherhood and, but the little girl during this, this incident loses a doll. And so she's inconsolable for basically the rest of the book and so some of it, not like giving too much away, but it's sort of, I don't know. It's its hard for me to explain. I liked the character in the movie a little bit better than I liked the character in the book. It, I didn't really like any of the characters mm-hmm. in the book. I'm wondering also how much it had to do with the narrator of the book, which is like a big thing in audiobooks because she just had this sort of very disdainful tone yeah. a lot of the times. Yeah. But it comes out that this experienced, you know, mother of adult daughters was not a great mother. 
like she actually abandoned her daughters and her husband um, to go follow her dreams and be free and, you know, experience life more fully. And it's kind of that, you know, what do we give up as mothers and and how can you, I mean, are you able to, you know, do it all or do you have to actually give something up? And so it was sort of an uncomfortable book mm-hmm. For me because I could very much see you know that I you know I became a mom when I was in my 20s mm-hmm. and that's that was for me it was it was a wake-up call it's like I am responsible for this okay. little person for you know I mean maybe not the rest of his life but at least good another 20 years or right so. yeah. yeah and that's you know that's my you know like it's a choice that you make and there are times where it's like wow why am I doing this? <laughs> and um, so at a point in, in this character's life, it was like, why am I doing this? And she says, I'm going to go do something else. It's a hard book for me to describe. Mm-hmm. But And then you said you liked the movie maybe a little better? The ending in both was kind of ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not sure exactly what happens after the book ends. Um, but Does it I f- turn out that that young mother is one of her daughters? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no. And you get more detail in the book because she's she's talking about how her daughters are and how her daughters were, and and you get a little bit of their their relationship now because she talks to them on the, on the phone in the movie. Olivia Coleman's character seems a little less harsh and they're also doing flashbacks to her as a young woman and you know kind of making some could be she's making mistakes or she's just taking a break (laughs) (laughs) interesting how long is that book i don't know um how many hours how many hours i think maybe it was like around 10 Mm -hmm. i mean it wasn't wasn't too long. I mean, it didn't seem like it was, yeah, really long. Yeah, and I think it takes place over, you know, like a week's vacation mm-hmm. or a couple weeks. I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, long enough for her to kind of establish relationships. So, like the main characters, would be, you know, the family, and mm-hmm. there's a caretaker who she kind of has like kind of an odd little relationship with, and then there's a young you know, the young man that works at the it's a beach resort. Mm-hmm. Um, and then these daughters that you only, they're just phone conversations, basically. Mm-hmm. So I can just, hearing you describe that, kind of see like similar themes with what I read that come out. Yeah. My Brilliant Friend is the first in four book series called the Neapolitan Novels. So one is vanilla, one is chocolate. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, they all take place in Naples, and it follows two friends. One is called Elena, like the author, and the other one, Elena, the narrator, calls Lila, and everyone else calls her Lena. And I might be kind of saying those wrong because when I started to watch the show, I'm like, so the show, my brilliant friend, is in Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, with subtitles and so it's I'm like oh I pronounced that name wrong in my mind right it starts 
with um, Elena in her 60s or 70s getting a phone call from Lila's son who's like, have you seen my mom? She, I haven't seen her for two weeks. She's disappeared. And she's like, leave me alone. And then she calls him back and she's like, look in the closet. And it turns out like all of her stuff is gone. Like she, all her clothes, all of her like important papers. She's cut herself out of all of the photos in their photo albums, even from when like her son was really small. She's disappeared. And Elena's like, she always wanted to do this, like her whole life. She'd always wanted to disappear. And she's like, and it makes me so mad that I'm going to write this book telling all about our lives together, all this stuff I promised I would never tell anybody. And then it starts from them being really small, growing up in this neighborhood, this impoverished neighborhood, and going to school and how they kind of became friends. So Elena's father is like a porter at City Hall. And I think her life is maybe like a little less violent in a lot of the other lives of the children in the neighborhood but she still sees all of that and is like a victim to it like in a bigger scale Leela is her father is a shoemaker and she's kind of like a bad kid at school you know mm -hmm. and she's always like sticking up for herself and ends up <laughs> picking fights with the boys and stuff but it turns out that she's Elena's she likes the teachers to like her she likes to be liked she likes to do a good job and so she does always does well in school and Lila's just like smart she's like taught herself to read and write from a very young age before anyone else can do it and then their relationship starts as kind of like like a competitive friendship mm -hmm. where they're like pushing pushing each other it takes place in like the 50s so like post-war the kids all have to go through to elementary school and then they can take a test to see if they can keep going to school and then they have to like pay for it mm. and the teacher wants both of them to keep going to school and they each have one supportive parent and one parent who wants them to work and it so happens that elena's supportive parent is her father and so he insists that she keep going to school as long as she's like the best at school and Lila's supportive parent is her mother and she has absolutely no power in the family and so she doesn't get to do that so they end up kind of their paths diverge and it's just really interesting like for a while Lila teaches herself Greek and Latin she tries to like kind of keep up with her friend and Elena finds that very motivating and for a while it's like the reason that she's able to be interested in school when really what she wants to do is whatever her friend is doing but then there reaches a point later on towards the end of the book when they're like 15 and Lila's become very beautiful and all of these roughneck boys in the neighborhood are like really into her and she decides to kind of go for one of them to kind of protect herself from this other one who's really scary to her and Elena can't get her like interested to tend talking about any of the stuff that she's learning in school anymore and you know why it's because it's like hurtful to her she's like this isn't my future mm -hmm. this is my future here in this shoe store or this grocery store with this guy I have to marry but she kind of has a realization at the end that she's totally outgrown this neighborhood that she grew up in. And there's nothing for her there. And her teacher, her elementary school teacher, who, like, pressured them to keep going to school, isn't, like, a huge character in the book, but she, like, pops up at these, like, important times. There's this time where Lila's really trying to get her dad to let her take the, like, middle school test, and he throws her out the window and breaks her arm. It's, like, <laughs> it's a violent book it's a violent world that they grow up in and the teacher decides to stop putting her energy into her her family has obviously decided that education is not important and she asks elena if she knows what a plebe is <laughs> 
And she's like, yeah. And then later on, she realizes, oh, the teacher was talking about us, all of Mm -hmm. us in this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And she's only going to, like, help the people who don't want to be plebes anymore. Mm -hmm. And then way later on, the teacher is getting ill. And she goes and visits her. And she wants to talk about Lila and, like, what's happened to her, basically. And she says, it was so good what she said and kind of mean but she says something about like how all of the all of the good stuff that had been in her mind is now in her like face and her butt and her you know mm. breasts oh, yeah. and it's like a waste it's just like a waste of her life and Elena's like jeez it's <laughs> <laughs> my friend <laughs> and it ends kind of with Lila's m- marriage and she's mm. 16 yeah and then the next book happens yeah so so that's interesting because it seems like appearance is a big thing Mm -hmm. also in both of the books that I read kind of you know and these are are smart smart women Mm -hmm. but they're very tied up still with their appearance Mm -hmm. and you know they're one of um the character's name I'm just like escaping me right now but the main character in The Lost Daughter you know she has two daughters and one of them has a very full you know womanly figure and the other one is not and you know she's complaining that the one is that you gave the best of yourself Mm. to her sister and then she herself you know this college professor is complaining because after she had children you know her figure went away and Mm. And then also the violence. There seems to be yeah. a bit of a bit of violence and um, just kind of with the lost daughter. There's some like rumor that members of this family are are tied to you know the mob or something. Mm-hmm. And and then there's some actually in both of the books that I read, there's a scene in a movie theater where there are young men who are being very rude, harassing. Um, you know, to the point of kind of assault. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's really only bothering the people that they're, you know, women that Mm -hmm. they're that they're picking on, you know, everybody else in the theater just kind of ignore it. It's just Yeah, just just ignore Mm -hmm. it. And then also with um, the lying life of adults, the main character there, um, I think Giannini, at the start of the book she's 12 and it ends when she's 16 and you know basically loses her virginity at that that point so yeah there's quite a few like instances in this book of like agreeing to be someone's girlfriend in order to protect them from some other guy who's scary to them for different reasons the book kind of like so so they all live in like these apartment buildings and she has there's this character in her apartment who they call like the mad widow and she's like on the fourth floor and her husband died he was either murdered or he just collapsed of like malnourishment one day and she was like a wreck and then this other neighbor man this married man like helped her and uh she fell in love with him they had this affair and and there was like this feud between his her and his wife until finally they like they moved the wife was like we got to get out of here and elena's like secretly in love with their the son of that man from her childhood through teen teen years but they move away and then um she's spending this like summer resting at her teacher's like cousin's beach house 
and that that family comes to stay and she's just really dazzled by them until the dad like molests her and she like she's like I gotta she like leaves in the morning the next day before anyone wakes up and then she's like she'd kind of started to have this like relationship with the son who hated his father because he could see who he is you know yeah but then she's like I can't even like talk to him or look at him anymore she's like how do I right yeah how do I yeah even look at him yeah now that that's happened and she ends up dating the son of the mad widow and how making him kind of like confront him she never tells anybody what had happened but confront him about the effect that of how he treated his mom has had on like the whole family and stuff all these years later Mm -hmm. still when i started to watch the show its first season came out in 2018 and i think the whole all of the books were out then and so the show like immediately like contextualizes things a little bit better they're like the year is whatever 1955 and the first part of my brilliant friend was like a little confusing to me because it's like all in her child's perspective. Like there's this important man, a scary man in their neighborhood called Donna Keel. And he's this kind of like a boogeyman figure. And you're like, what's his deal? But right at the beginning of the show, they're like, Oh, he's a, like a money lender. And like, he deals in the black market and he's really taken advantage of these people, especially at like the end of world war two and made a lot of money off of it. But that's never clear in the the first book, to me anyways. Mm -hmm. But then when I started the second book, they both start with, like, this cast of characters because there's these big Italian families. And even at the end of the book, I had to be like, okay, Alfonso is this one and Antonio is this one because their names are kind of, like, a little similar to me. Yeah. And, uh, but right away in the beauty of this one, it has that context in, like, he was, you know, rumored to be a part of this gang Mm -hmm. or criminal family or something. So I don't I don't know if she wrote the first one and then like added that kind of a little bit more context for the second one mm-hmm. or if it's something that her like publisher decided to do. But right. yeah, so they're still only 16 and they've got like right. 50 more years of <laughs> stuff to get to the beginning of of how the book started. And it doesn't go back to that like mm-hmm. ever. I'm sure by the book four it does. Yeah. But it doesn't like touch touch base with that. 60 something or 70 something year old woman who's like angrily writing this story about her friend huh yeah so the lying life of adults um it starts with this character she's called many things because everybody has a sort of a nickname Mm -hmm. for i think i think it's janina um but jova is is a common um you know, nickname for her. So she's, it starts out, she's 12 years old and she has this, you know, ideal 12 year old existence with her mother and father in their apartment in a nicer area of Naples, you know, up on a, up on a hill. And her best friends are the two daughters of best friends of her parents. Her parents are both teachers and professors and you know there are so she's like everybody's very intelligent and just a very close-knit little family and and social group and one morning the you know and the book starts this way it's like I can't remember the exact statement but was but she she says two years before leaving home my father said that I was ugly 
and he wasn't not didn't tell her that but they were talking about her her grades were slipping in school and the parents were talking about that and you know arguing a little bit about it and he just said she's becoming ugly like Victoriana, which is was his sister, and they were kind of estranged. And you know, she had only ever heard this aunt mentioned in a in a negative way, and so then she became preoccupied about her looks and about this aunt, and you know, looking for pictures. And the aunt was already always blacked out, and anytime she asked questions, it was like you know, this this person is just awful. And she decides that she wants to go find this aunt and go see her. And she does with her her father's permission. He, you know, takes her. And it's this, he grew up with his family, like at the bottom of the hill, mm-hmm. you know, in a rough community of, of Naples. And so he takes her down there and drops her off. He's going to wait outside and... And so she's going up into this apartment and describing how it, you know, smells like garbage. And she gets into the house and it's this aunt. And when she gets back down to the car, her dad asks, well, how was it? And thought I heard music. You know, she's saying, oh, I, I didn't hear it. And you're right. She's awful. But then when she gets back to the apartment, then she's describing what happened. Her aunt is telling her her version mm-hmm. of things and um, how her father, Jova's father, basically ruined her life because he didn't want her to have the things that she wanted. He didn't want her to, you know, have their mother's house when they died. But the biggest thing was that he tried to keep her from the love of her life, who was this married policeman mm-hmm. and um, named Enzo and and so it, it kind of chronicles the relationship with her aunt, but that meeting with her aunt, especially that first one, she starts getting doubts about, you know, who's telling the truth about who Vittorius tells her you should pay attention to your parents. And she starts paying attention and realizes that there's something going on between her mother and the father of her best friends but then it turns out that that was just this really small piece of what was really going on and so then it becomes this bigger thing that just like her world basically implodes because of these relationships that are going on that have been going on in the background and how it changes her friendship with her her best friend and it's still her trying to figure out you know her appearance and it's also it's very much about um, you know appearance and identity especially like sexual identity and worth and you know all of these adults are are kind of you know especially the aunt are sort of saying you know you need to you know protect your sexuality and you know they talk about how you know whether she's beautiful or she's ugly or or but she's also a very smart girl mm-hmm. and discovers somebody who actually seems to be interested in her mind. It's just, it's, that's an, it's, it's another one that's hard for me to describe. It's, I liked it mm-hmm. um, because I think she did a pretty good job. I mean, I think this young 
person probably had much better vocabulary and was able like more in touch with what was going on than I probably did as a 12 year old. Um, but it also kind of it spans about four years. So it's these all these changes and this exploration and how people, you know, especially her aunt are, you know, telling her that she needs to, you know, guard her sexuality and use it as power. And in the end, she's more about she just kind of wants to get rid of that mm-hmm. and live the way she wants to live, which is probably going to be more, you know, a writing and thinking life than something more traditional. Or, yeah. yeah. And the series, I really liked. They changed a few little things mm-hmm. to kind of smooth things out. But what I really liked about it was mostly the way that it looked and the way that it was, you know, the way that it was shot and the mm-hmm. soundtrack and um what time period is that and see from the book i couldn't tell uh-huh. and from the show i couldn't tell but <laughs> when i looked up i you know because mm-hmm. i wanted to find out what it it's set in the early 90s okay you know so prefet cell phone um there's kind of you know the cars are a little older and is the yeah. show in italian it's in italian yeah it's in italian you know all italian all italian actors and just I guess a young woman in the show it doesn't I don't think that they really I think they compress the time I think Mm -hmm. she's probably 15 16 it's it doesn't I don't think it spans I mean it spans some time but then again it it feels very Italian to me and I think there's some Mm -hmm. cultural differences especially you know kind of the relationship between kids and adults and you know among among adults but it is sort of the viewpoint of a young woman who's learning who she is and what's important and how people respond to her both physically and intellectually and observing you know the other adults in their life mm-hmm. and basically you know all the lives and how complicated and messy it is especially when you're dealing with infidelity mm-hmm. and so this this married policeman had that Enzo, mm-hmm. who the aunt had had an affair with, he had died. And she said he died of a broken heart, but mm-hmm. who knows, actually. She actually became very close with the wife. Mm-hmm. And so they're, you know, basically family. And then the Does wife... the wife know? Yeah, the wife knew. The wife had three kids. And then there's also, there's a, this character, basically an inanimate object of a bracelet and so there was a bracelet that was that that the aunt said that she had given to Jova when she was a baby, and Jova knew nothing about this bracelet. Um, the bracelet shows up kind of early on in the book on the wrist of her best friend's mother. So there's some things that are going yeah. on, and then even then, it's not it's not really clear cut because you know the bracelet was given to somebody before then who maybe shouldn't have had it and that that bracelet kind of changes hands through the entire entire book is it yeah it's just a, you know another kind of interesting yeah. story that's hard 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 to explain but a lot of those same common themes mm-hmm. about you know even the setting you know yeah. naples and and, and sort really of relationship focused yeah and, and, and the class like, mm-hmm. a little bit about class and about yeah like the powerlessness of kids mm-hmm. and yeah and yeah. friendships mm-hmm. and how those mm-hmm. change and evolve and yeah. end and yeah yeah there's the 
So, like, the big, like, culminating thing of my brilliant friend is Lila's wedding at the end. And Elena had been dating Antonio for, I don't know, the summer. The summer, because she's like, oh, I have to break up with him when I go back to school because I got other stuff to do. Mm -hmm. And he's a mechanic. He's also, like, she, she sees him as, like, an adult. He's, I don't know. He's probably, like, five to seven years older than she is. So, But she's been dating him in secret, like, so her parents don't know. And she asks him to come to the wedding uh, with her, but, like, pretend we're just friends. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't, like, like that. And then her mom is like, I see you going out with that crazy lady's son, and you're just going to sit here next to me this whole time. I'm not going to have that. And she has this whole, like, thought process where it's like, you know, my mom doesn't want me to be, like, a part of this neighborhood and, like, socialize with the people I grew up with and who live here and be you know, like my friend, but she also just wants me to sit right next to her and not go anywhere. And I can't do both, you know, like, right. I can't live a different life than this one in this neighborhood and also stay here with my parents. Yeah. And there's a lot too. I think she's got some teachers in her school. There's like a, like the influence of like those kind of benevolent adults too, that are important. And in the background, she has this one friend who, so the scary guy in the first section of the book, Donna Keel, is murdered. He's, like, stabbed in the neck. And her friend's father is arrested for it because he lost his shop to him. And she becomes, like, later good friends with his son as well. And he's very politically conscious. The beginning of the show makes it seem like his father just, like, killed him for like personal reasons for like losing his business and in the book his children are like he he did for political reasons Mm -hmm. because he's like a communist and he doesn't believe in like he made all his money off from the fascists and so he didn't deserve to live (laughs) anyway so there's like a certain amount in the background of her kind of learning about the political systems and stuff and all of that how it's played a part in like producing the kind of environment that she grew up in like her understanding about like being lower class Mm -hmm. early on her friend convinces her they're gonna like walk to the beach and she realizes that later her friend was hoping that she'd be punished and wouldn't be able to go to school and that's why they had she concocted this idea and it didn't end up working but when she says that she she's like i never even thought and at this time she's probably like 10 i never even thought about where the trucks go when they drive out of town or thought of like leaving this neighborhood Mm -hmm. or what happened outside of it it's like a very small world yeah. Did you do any reading about Elena Ferrante? A little bit, but I don't know. It just sounded very, very mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, she's anonymous. So people like don't know who she is uh, in real life. But also she'll like give interviews, mm-hmm. I guess, probably through email or something. Yeah. And she's also published nonfiction books that are like essays mm-hmm. and stuff that might reveal something about like her background or mm-hmm. and then I had read I just like I think I was reading her Wikipedia and there was like a couple of instances where people have really tried to figure out who she is oh yeah like oh it must be like this academic lady mm-hmm. who works at this college right. just like triangulating all of these experiences yeah. and her publisher has denied whoever mm-hmm. it is that they say and then one person was like actually it's a man who's writing all of these books right. and they're like and, <laughs> They're like, for sure, no. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's an interesting choice. And she's been so successful, like, internationally. Yeah. 
to be able to like maintain mm-hmm. anonymity. And then also she's got all these like movie deals and stuff. So I don't right. really know how that works. Yeah. She must have just like an agent or her publisher who handles all yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. Is very committed to the secrecy. Right. Hmm. Well, yeah. And then I guess like how, how often, you know, do you have authors that don't want to be known? Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, because at some point, I mean, she would have had to have been anonymous all along. I mean, mm-hmm. or, you know, just like want to, you know, because usually when you're, I don't, I don't know. Like if like, you're starting out. Yeah, because when you're starting out, I mean, of course, now, you know, we had Writers Festival. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to come out and, and meet you, meet you and, and, you know, make sure that you know about their and do their readings. And yeah. so how did she get from that? And you publicize know, the book. Like that's what publishers yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, have so many followers on Twitter and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously she started probably before Twitter, but. I don't know. I mean, like. I mean, yes, but not that much longer before but so, Twitter. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I really didn't look because I, I. She's just been publishing. I think yeah. the last twenty years. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So all the age of the internet. Yeah. There was one quote from her that I read that said that she felt like books don't need authors. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, meaning like once it's done, right? It's, it's out, just there. out in the world, and it's its own thing. Yeah. And, doesn't yeah. need her, yeah. her to like explain it yeah. to anybody or... but somebody has to get it out in the world mm-hmm. so she just must have you know lucked out yeah. or or you know who knows um how that came about to actually get your get your work out there without having to you know <laughs> yeah do be you... out there mm-hmm. it's interesting do you have any other um thoughts about about the books or the shows did it remind you of anything else no, it really just kind of made me think about the kinds of things that were going through my head at that age. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we can look at that, especially, you know, because you're seeing it on a screen. Basically, these teenagers are talking about their first sexual experiences. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just the way that adults are behaving or the way that they are treating their their children or you know the ideas that they're giving them I think they're giving them kind of a negative view and Mm -hmm. so they are it's something that they just want to get over with Mm -hmm. and get rid of and so me as an adult woman (laughs) reading about these young girls who are basically you know finding willing adult men Mm -hmm. which there are no shortage of Mm -hmm. obviously um you know, you kind of have to like step back and and sort of go into the teenage brain, uh-huh. which is you know kind of a, a, a very interesting place. Um, it's, it's complicated. That whole situation is complicated. And then on top of that, you're probably adding some cultural mm-hmm. um, differences. So yeah, and then the time the time period for me with this one, is one that, like, I, you know, I read a ton of stuff that mm-hmm. takes place in, like, England or mm-hmm. the United States mm-hmm. in, like, the 50s. Right. But I don't know anything yeah. about, I mean, 
I knew they had, you know, fascist dictator in Italy. Well, and... there was, and <laughs> even in this, so if this is taking place in the 90s, uh-huh. they, there was some, you know, because there's at some point, and I don't even know what it is, it's like a carnival, but then there's also, you know, these people singing communist songs mm-hmm. and raving, waving red flags and, you know, it's this whole, I, I know, I know nothing and I know nothing about yeah. any of that that time period or you know i guess i really know nothing about italy yeah and that um, politi- yeah, political yeah. culture there yeah yeah definitely the none of the adults seem concerned about like the 15 year old girls and their like 24 year old boyfriends right yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah and then um and then also i i was wondering as i'm reading the lost daughter or listening to the lost daughter the way that this mother behaves in stressful situations with her with her children in ways that I don't think that I would ever talk to my child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I kind of wondered, like, am I reading that more harshly than it's intended? Because it kind of does set up this whole thing, like, this this woman was not prepared motherhood so she wasn't a good mother she was a bad bad mother (laughs) but was she I don't know and then I guess it's also maybe in that culture even more you're expected and probably the time period because I don't know I guess it's I think it was set in current times Mm -hmm. um, and she's 47 at that time you know so you think back to you know 20 whatever 25 years or whenever she had her children I think she was pretty young you know it's an expectation that Mm -hmm. this is this is what you do but still she's you know went on to become a professor and but was it an expectation that she Mm -hmm. had to you know she could you know go on and and be a successful woman Mm -hmm. in her career but she wouldn't be truly successful unless she was married and had children and all that stuff so and maybe she just wasn't really meant for that side of things, but that's what you do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't give you a lot of, like, time in your life to really, like, to make a decision before you're just kind of, like, going with the flow right. of what yeah. everyone expects yeah. from you. And yep. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so in The Lying Life of Adults, I felt a little more hopeful about that character, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, she was going to do more what she wanted to do and and especially at the end of the show there's kind of a a sense that she's just going to go out and see what's out there and do her own thing good yeah yeah this was good experience i'd been trying to read more like translated books Mm -hmm. because of that because it gives you a glimpse into another culture like experience that's different if you're reading a, about it written from like mm-hmm. a ang- anglo right what am I to say? centric yeah anglo-centric <laughs> viewpoint where it's like yeah an english-speaking person writing about mm-hmm. a di- different country yeah. or different even the way that their language that they speak like kind of influences right. the yeah the culture in this series and the way that they do it in in the translated into English is they'll say if they're speaking in dialect or if they're speaking like proper Italian yeah and um, I don't know if if that's like Neapolitan is the dialect or if there's like a name for it they never say yeah they don't yeah but that yeah they kind of you know yeah talk about that here I remember you or she 
does that in mm-hmm. these also. And that's a big part of like the class stuff mm-hmm. is like if they even know yeah. proper Italian or not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it would be like in, you know, when ours would be sort of like the accents mm-hmm. or. Or if it's or... like. I don't know places like that where they're speaking where there's like lots of regional languages right yeah it's more like that yeah 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 I think it's probably more like that but Uh yeah I mean it's a dialect Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah I think maybe because I've read a lot of like Japanese literature Mm -hmm. and I've read a lot of Hispanic but I think this is probably the first time I've read Italian Mm -hmm. so it's translation so yeah but I do I, I do like how you know even with the translation like the the culture and the mm-hmm. you know the that that comes through mm-hmm. and it just like puts you right into it doesn't like it's not like explaining it to you right yeah 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 like oh what's this so you're just figuring it out yeah I mean my, did they have like the I had to I had to look it up the fun, funicular um so F-U-N-I-C-U-L-A-R, and it's some sort of transportation. It's mm-hmm. like a cable transportation that goes up hills. Oh, no, they don't have this in there. They're pretty much just in their little crappy neighborhood. Uh, yeah, yeah. And oh, they... because they were going from the crappy neighborhood <laughs> yeah. up to the nice yeah. neighborhood. So No, it's like the most is like the like rich guys have cars. Yeah. And... Uh... It is like kind of like walks this like little balance with the girls. You know, they want the attention of the rich boys, mm-hmm. you know. I think just rich in the, the perspective of their like impoverished neighborhood. I don't think they're like actually right. wealthy. You know, they just have a car. Mm-hmm. But also they treat women really badly. And there was like, oh, they want to be asked to ride in the car. But like my mother will kill me if I'm like seen in mm-hmm. the car. It would ruin my reputation. But also kind of. As, like, the rich family, that's the one that their, you know, their mothers want them to marry right. to. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's pretty messed up. It's messed up how the book ends. It just drops you in this thing with the, the man that she marries. She always thought was so different from this other, the other rich guy who she was afraid of and didn't want to marry. Um, and she went after this guy to escape that one. And at the end, she's like, oh, I think they're friends or something you know right, yeah. <laughs> they're the same yeah 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 so i'm gonna keep reading the series the show is on hbo or max as they call it now okay. <laughs> and it's sad the child actors do a really good job i don't know how how long before they like get older actors mm-hmm. you know to start playing them but the one who plays elena's got like these big eyes and she's always like looking around at all like just the violence going on like the mm-hmm. women fighting over the man and the fathers beating their kids yeah. and the teen boys who are trying to like prove something to their parents by like beating some bum right and it's just just like awful mm-hmm. but i mean it's a good show too mm-hmm. so so next month i'm taking a break and Austin, Joe, and Jacob are going to be talking about David Sedaris. Oh, cool. Yeah. So yeah that'll be, be fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jennifer, for coming on. My pleasure. And thanks, everybody, for listening to your shelf or mine. I'm Becky. And I'm Jennifer. Bye. Bye. Support for Your Shelf or Mine comes from the Friends of the Longview Public Library, the Longview Library Foundation, and listeners like you. Your Shelf or Mine jingle is written and performed by Megan McKeldery from A Song for You. 
Find Megan online at ReverbNation.com slash Megan McKeldery. That's M-E-A-G-H-A-N-M-C-E-L-D-E-R-R-Y. ReverbNation.com slash Megan McKeldery.